find your place in Genesis chapter 27. Genesis chapter 27. The title of the message is What Do You Love? What Do You Love? The word love is mentioned 281 times in the Bible. The Bible has much to say about what love is. I'm talking about real love and what love should be and what 
you ought to love. Uh, this world has twisted and misused that word love. Uh, the, the world's music has perverted the word love. And, and people even say, you know, without even thinking, well, I love a hamburger. Or I love a certain car. Or I love a, a certain type of music. Or I, I even love a certain hobby that they may have. I, I've heard people say, I love to play golf. I love to fish. You know, the first mention of the word love in the Bible is found in Genesis chapter 27. And verse 4. And here we see it says, And make me savory meat such as I love, and bring it to me that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. Isaac's love had changed because he had loved before. If you just go back a chapter here or two in chapter 24, you're going to find the first mention of the word loved in the Bible. And the word loved is found 89 times in the Bible. But here the same person, Isaac, we're going to see this word love, loved, associated with him, but it's not the same type of love. In Genesis 24 and verse 67, it says, And Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent and took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. What's the big difference between this verse and the first verse that we just read where the first mention of the word love is? And it goes on to say, And Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. Isaac went from loving Rebekah and finding comfort in her to finding comfort in Esau's venison. And can I just say, like father, like son, only thinking of the temporal? Oh, no wonder Esau had sold his birthright for a bowl of beans. Boy, he had learned it from his daddy. In chapter 25, in verse 28, it says, And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. My goodness, both Isaac and Rebekah had misdirected their love. Their love ought to have been for each other first. And then that love would have poured out on the children. But over time, their love for their children exceeded their love for each other. The first time that you find the words love and loved in the Bible, they're associated with a dysfunctional family. I wonder how many Christians have ever misdirected their love. In Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5 it says, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Oh, the church at Ephesus, the Bible says they left their first love. Hey, Isaac and Rebekah, what happened to them? They left their first love. Nothing good happened after that. Dysfunctionality set in. Oh, let me ask you, what do you love today? 
What have you grown to love? How, how has your love changed over the years? Hey, can I ask you this? Who do you love the most? Misdirected love will always lead us in a wrong direction. Think about this. Isaac was ready to bless a sorry, God-despiser, good-for-nothing son all because he loved his venison. Rebecca's misdirected love caused her to plot against a husband that she loved. Oh, her misdirected love caused her to tell her son that it's okay to deceive your father. This world will misuse the word love. That shouldn't shock us. But I can't help but to wonder how many Christians have a misdirected love or have left their first love. No, oh, it's real easy to say I love Jesus. It's real easy to sing, Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Oh, it's real easy to say that. It's, it's even real easy to sing that. You see, Isaac loved Rebekah when he needed comfort and companionship, but he quickly misdirected that love to something more temporal. How many Christians will come running to Jesus and telling him how much they love him when they need something from him? But as soon as that need is met, met uh, they immediately misdirect that love towards someone else or something else uh, to satisfy some temporal enjoyment. Christians will find more joy in a hobby or in going out to eat or taking a trip than they do loving Jesus. They'll find more joy in these temporal things than keeping his commandments, than taking up their cross and following after him and serving him and being faithful to the house of God, tithing and witnessing and praying and even love those things more than reading their Bible. Oh, they don't mind a little devotional, you know, that makes them feel good in the morning, tells them how great they're doing. Almost like a, you know, a fortune cookie almost. But can I just say, what you love is very evident in your life. It was very evident in Rebecca and Isaac's life what they loved. You see, what you love is what you give yourself to. It's what you're willing to sacrifice to. It's what you're willing to spend your time and money and efforts on. Oh, the latest research says that the average Christian prays one to five minutes a day. And I wouldn't think that reading their Bible would be much longer than that either. 
The average Christian can only handle a, a, a little short devotional. Most of the time, they don't even read the verse on the devotional. They just go straight to the title of the story. And if that title catches their eye, then maybe they'll go on to read the little story there. Something, you know, just to tickle them a little bit and fancy their ears. Some Christians have only read what pops up on their phone for the day but they put very little thought into the verse or to the Bible reference. To the Christian shame, the average Muslim prays at least 45 minutes a day. Vain repetitions to a false God. For the Catholic to say the rosary, it can take 15 to 20 minutes again, just repetitions and praying to, to no one that can hear them, but yet... They'll take the time to do it. Boy, compare how much time we spend reading and meditating and delighting in God's Word versus how much time we spend reading and meditating and delighting in our social media platform. Or how much time we spend on the internet. Boy, how much time do you spend adding and updating your social media page? Boy, how often do you go and check in to see your approval rating? Boy, I heard a preacher say one time, it says that if a person gets 99 likes or 99 thumbs up but gets one dislike or one thumbs down, that it could cause that person to have a bad day. Why? Because they'll spend more time concentrating on why that person did not like their post or did not respond the way that they thought they should. Most often, our love for self outweighs our love for God. Well, we live in a day where Christians, uh, they, they've fallen into to this worldly mentality of needing constant affirmation. I mean, they got a constant need for somebody to boost them up. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> and boost their ego just like that. But what is all that rooted in? What does all that feed to? It feeds into pride. That's our pride. All these social media platforms, it's all about us. It's all about telling everybody what we are doing or what we, like, it, it, you can hide it. You can try to, well, I put a verse on there. And, yeah. It's all about this. And that's number one. <laughs> but what do you love? Do you love your Facebook, your Instagram, your TikTok more than you love God? It'll tell by how much time you spend with either one. Isaac loved Rebecca. And over time, what happened? He loved Esau because of something temporal. Boy, here's another good verse on love. In Matthew 6, 24, it says, No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God. 
and mammon. We want that Burger King religion. Have it your way. You see, Isaac and Rebekah's misdirected love, you know what it did? It brought division to their home. There was a division between Jesus and the church at Ephesus. Why? Because the church at Ephesus had left uh, their first love. Maybe it's time for us Christians to just fall in love with Jesus all over again. Hey, it's time for us to love Jesus with all our heart. Do you love Jesus more than your family? It'll tell. How much time do you spend with them versus how much time do you spend with God? Do you love your job more than you love Jesus? Do you love your friends or even your so-called virtual friends? Do you spend more time with them than you do with Jesus? Do you love Jesus more than yourself? More than your hobbies? More than your desires and your wants? More than some temporal gain? Boy, in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, 37, it says, And Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Boy, there's a key word here. Don't miss it. That, that key word's all. <laughs> The word all my heart, all my soul, all my mind. Does God have all of your love? Or have we allowed our love for him to be misdirected either toward ourselves or someone else or something else? It's real easy to do. Deuteronomy 10, 12 says, And now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. Deuteronomy 11, 1 says, Therefore thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. Boy, we've developed this false idea that we can just love God in your way we want to and we can just kind of fit our love for God in our schedule. There's no verses you just read right here where that's an option for the Christian, but yet in today's society, today that we're living in, a lot of Christians live that way. They live with a misdirected love. That love's there, but it's misdirected. We can just love God when we pick and choose. You know, we can keep His commandments when it's convenient, when it all works out. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's not an option. That's all the time. It's not whenever it feels right, feels good, or whenever it doesn't inconvenience us. Oh, in John 14, 23, it says, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. In John 14, in verse 24, it says, He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings, and the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. In verse 31 of that same chapter says, but that the world may know that I love the Father. And as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do arise, let us go hence. Jesus is our example. 
He loved the Father and never failed in keeping any of the Father's commandments, but for some reasons, some Christians had developed the mindset that they can just do it their way, whatever they think. They can love Jesus when and how they choose to love him. That's called the Laodicean mindset. I'm good. I'm in need of nothing. Man, me and Jesus, you know, we got everything just like this. You know, I'm good with my little religion, just doing it the way I want to, the way I think. Remember that word Laodicea means of the people, whatever the people want. Jesus, you know what he said about all that? Do you know how the world will know that you love Jesus? The same way the world knew that Jesus loved the Father. You'll keep his commandments. And that's more than just one of them. Or the one that you want to keep. It's all of them. Can I ask you, what do you love? Because if you love Jesus, it'll show. It'll show. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 6. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, and love, patience, and meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses." He's saying, get your act together. You see, people often misquote this passage. They say money is the root of all evil. That's not what it says. You got to have money to operate. But it says this, for the love of money is the root of all evil. Setting our desires on gains instead of godliness. The Bible says here that godliness is great gain. What are you investing in? People will set out to buy a property or buy some toy and they'll add up the dollar amount that it's going to cost them and what it'll take to make the payments. But what they often fail to take into consideration is if me buying this thing, how much is, is it going to cost me in godliness? Is this purchase going to hinder my giving of my time and my talents and treasures to the Lord? You see, godliness with contentment is great gain. There's nothing wrong with having things. But if your love for things is what controls you, then right, right, right here's what's going to happen. It's going to become a spiritual snare to you. 
Because what's going to happen is you're never going to be able to make yourself available to the Lord because you have a misdirected love. I've witnessed people who have chased after things of this world and they tried to fit the Lord in there as well. But what they wind up doing is limiting the Holy One of Israel. I've seen people be so strapped chasing gain that they can't even spare a penny or themselves to the Lord. Our verse says, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. What sorrows? Most of the time in a marriage, divorce will pop up. All because of a misdirected love. Not able to fulfill God's will for their life. That's the sorrows. Pearson said to me, sorry, I can't do what God would have had me to do because of misdirected love. Settling for a lesser role than what God had for them. Living with a lot of regret. In 1 Timothy 6, 11, it says, But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness and godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also caught and hast processed a good profession before many witnesses. What do you love? Who do you love most? What's hindering you from loving God more this year than ever before. Can I remind you that Jesus is coming again? What's he going to find you loving? Do you love his appearing? Are you focused on godliness? Are you fighting a good fight? Can I ask you, are you saved? Have you ever come to the realization that God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son to die for you so that you could have everlasting life? Jesus told that crowd at Laodicea, you better invest in me. In Revelations 3.18 it says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. Before, behold, I stand at the door and knock and if any man hear my voice open and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. Jesus is knocking. Will you accept what he did on the cross for you as the only way to heaven? Will you repent of your sin and unbelief and accept his love for you? See, you don't have to love Jesus to believe in him. But you do have to believe that he loved you. Would you be zealous and repent today? Christian, how's your love? What do you love? I dare say that everyone in here, everybody underneath the sound of my voice, if you're on the internet listening, I doubt, I doubt very seriously that everyone in here can say they love God with all their heart with all their soul and with all their mind. 
I think everybody in here, if you'd be honest, you say, I've got some misdirected love somewhere. There's something that I've put above God. There's something that I've allowed to distract me from my first love, which should be the Lord. It's time to get right. It's time to get right with Him. Here's the good news. You can love God more than anything.